Welcome to the Dusty Life Podcast. I'm Sean, that's Kyle, and that's Grant. This is episode 252 and the final episode of the Dusty Life Podcast for Thursday, March 4, 2021. We'd like to give a special thanks to Joe Lokland Bierkness, Jason Barr, Jeff Setters, Aaron Jensen, Ty Moser, Glenn Vassner, Adam Zawalik, Dave Marlowe, Marcin Schapinski, Andy Pridmore, Antoine Poitras, Doug Dietrich, Daryl Pettit, Jerome Monfray, Josh Usher, Darwin Smith, Jay Nieto, Scott Barron, Bryce Rabel, Mike Bomer, John Ramager, Gray Keane, Sir Tim Holliner, Bear Ullman, Wim Prest, Kevin Derrick, Spencer Sims, and Luke Parker. Those are our top patrons at patreon.com. You can support the show by sharing the good news with a friend, going to thedustylife.com and purchasing a t-shirt, or sending us a one-time donation. We do have a few t-shirts left and some hard goods at the store at thedustylife.com, so head over there and check it out. We're on, man. We are live. One of my favorite recordings. I listen to a lot of live music. I like to listen to live music and like watch live music. And uh, one of my favorite live albums is a band called the Murder City Devils out of Washington State, out of Seattle. And they have a recording, an album, and it's their very last ever show. It's called R.I.P. by the Murder City Devils. And it's them, and they're hammered. And they're like, this is our last show ever. And they just blow it out completely. Uh, anyway, so I'm drinking a glass of cachaça. I just uh, polished off some Irish whiskey a few minutes ago. What about you? Nice cachaça. What is that? Cachaça is like a Brazilian liquor that I've just, I just. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I've been saying it wrong. I call it, isn't it? I say cha-cha. Oh, yeah. It's spelled C-H-A-C-H-A. Cachaça, yeah. I think I'm saying it right. That's what they said when I was in Argentina. Yeah, that stuff is, it's got so much flavor for being a clear spirit, too. Yeah. yeah. And you make a good cocktail out of it called a caipirinha, where you mm-hmm. literally cube up a lime, smash it with some sugar, and then shake it up with cachaça. That's the entire drink. There's mm. nothing. Yep. It's very I good. saw that on, uh, it was uh, Anthony Bourdain. He was, like, chilling somewhere. And they, like, came out into, like, the street where he was sitting at the table and made him some of those things. Yeah. I was in Buenos Aires. They just everywhere you went, I, uh, they'd be like, "Would you like a, a drink or whatever in Spanish?" I don't know how to speak Spanish. I would just say "caipirinha." They would bring you one, and it'd be like a dollar American. Easy. Wow. Crazy. Anyway, yeah. What's up with you guys? Sean was just telling me about his wonderful day in the shop and how he's plunged a bunch of domino holes on the show face of his stuff. <laughs> Thanks, you went, you popped through? No, I went on the wrong f- surface. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> I plunged him into the wrong surface. What are you going to do? I had to patch him. I patched domino holes. It's it's not that bad. No, Did you do a good job? Yeah. Yeah, they're tight, tight plugs I had to put in there. Edge grain. Hot. Made sure I matched up the, the grain lines with the grain lines in the arm so it kind of continuously flows. So it's not like a... You know, you don't have a grain going like downwards slightly and have one that's like. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. I had yep. to make sure the, the grain and the color matched. And yeah, it was it was a pain. It, it took me about two hours to 
to get everything squared up and mill the material and then match the grain right and pound them all in and all stuff. Yeah. Two hours of wasted time. All because I put two reference lines on the uh, 90 degree faces. So the the underside of the arm <clears throat> has a panel that goes between the arm and the seat rail, the lower seat rail. Yep. And uh, yep. I put the seat panel, in, I put the panel that goes between those in place, mark the dominoes on the panel, transcribe those lines to the underside of the arm and the top of the lower seat rail, pulled the panel out, drew the lines around to the reference surface, which is on the inside of the arm and the inside of the lower leg um, rail or lower seat rail. Yep. And uh, seat rail. did not erase the original lines, right? So mm. now I have these two lines that wrap around. So when I went to plunge the dominoes, the domino mortises for the arm, I referenced the wrong lines. The ones I referenced the on, on the fence of the domino, so where you see the little mark for the the domino cutter, I was plunging on the wrong face. So I pl- I put three domino holes <laughs> mortises on the outside <laughs> of the arm. Of the Dude, seat I can only laugh because I've I've done it. It was on the yeah. seat rail or on the top of the armrest. It was not the top of the arm, but the outside of the arm. The outside of the arm. Oh, so no. the, instead of the underarm. Well, I guess it's I guess it's the inside of the arm is where it got plunged. So when you're sitting there, well, that's yeah, better. when you're sitting there and you're looking, you'll see, you know, you, if you look, you could see them. But at least it's not on the outside, because the outside has that that flare, that cove. So it'd be pretty hard to do it there. Um but anyway, I plunged the holes, I brought the piece over, set it down, and I went to put it. Uh, do a dry fit with the panel and I was like where are the mortises for the arm and I went oh are you kidding me and I just rolled it over and it's that (laughs) it's that oh you know you you go tipping it over and there it is right there so that's the moment when you you either smash the piece of wood or like to just go to the bandsaw and chop it up and throw it away or you just or or you just step away for like an hour and you're like i'm gonna just go walk around the block for a minute yeah (laughs) i've done that you know like when because so, to me, for me at least, it's one or the so other. Yeah, I, I'm cutting it up, or I'm going to walk around. I considered around. like a couple of things. I was like, okay, how much time would it take me to make a new freaking arm? And I was like, that's that's not possible because I don't have any material that will match the grain or the color of the legs. There's no way. So I said to myself, how else can I hide this? Should I accentuate it? Should I put a line all the way through and put like a racing stripe? No, absolutely not. That would be super tacky for this. No chair. way. Ugh. So so the next thing was just plug it. So I did a test block, put a mortise in a test block, squared off the edges, made a, a piece of, of um, a, a patch and plugged it and looked at it and was like, yeah, that looks that's satisfactory. That'll be okay. So that's what I did. Took me about two hours do to do all of that. Could have done. Yeah. Could put a little like metal plate over it, and then put some little Kit Kat bars in there. You have to do a little flip down <laughs> thing, you know. You have a little stash spot for some jelly beans Whoa. or some candy that's, or Kit Kat. That's, that's mind blowing. <laughs> Let's just get to the real heart. 
Kyle wants to hide some weed in there. <laughs> That's your weed stash. Dude, everything I... No, I just leave the weed out in the open. I ain't trying to hide it. <laughs> no, but it's fun to I gotta find go back weed. to Hi Kyle just to go find it sometimes. Hi Kyle. <laughs> Where did I put that? Kyle? <laughs> yeah, if you made it long enough, you could put a pre-roll No, I love hiding spots. I love that stuff. Yeah, man. That's a good Think idea, about it, though. though. That'd be pretty cool. You do like a little, like, you know, make a little plate one inch wide, like maybe five inches long, mm-hmm. has some, like engraving on it you know put a little pin on the bottom magnet on the top inlay the magnet into the wood and then you flip it down you know or twist it and you or not a even a stash spot in there or not even a plate you just do the patch that sean did but then cut it so it's really thin and put a magnet on the back side and just rest Ooh. it in there and then you yeah. have to get a little magnet off the fridge and pull it off and you you know you find oh, you go. find a little bit of i don't know amyl nitrate or whatever you're gonna hide in there Put some. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I, I've done that before, and it's shit. it's dude. It's the domino. That's what it is. You can screw up so fast mm-hmm. with the domino because oh, yeah. you just see you see your lines, and then you go punch them in, and you're like, okay, I'm done. There's my yeah. mortis. <laughs> Someone asked us a question on the show right. one time. I, I think they're being kind of tongue, tongue in cheek. Oh, sorry. What did you say? Uh, I was saying somebody asked the show one time, and they were being tongue in cheek. If you guys remember, they said, "What is what is your secret in the shop?" And I said, "My secret is just that I draw all over my boards constant. Like when it comes time to glue something up, my my wood is covered in notes and scribbles and lines. I got lumber crayons and carpenter's pencils and regular pencils, and I do that because." What Sean did, I probably would have had a, a, a carpenter's crayon next to me, and I probably would have scribbled the reference lines out as soon as I transferred them, because I'm I'm harebrained. I would have yeah. done the same thing. Yeah, I should have done that. Yeah, I write glue. I wasn't trying to make it sound like that, Sean. No, no, no. Like, when I was veneering my panels, I made sure I wrote glue on the surfaces that got glue, so yeah. I didn't put the glue on the wrong, like, veneered surface and put it face down, you know? So I had my right face out. <laughs> Because uh, I will do that. Um, Dude, I mean, they do that in surgeries, too. They'll freaking cut off the wrong leg. Dude, I swear uh-huh. to God. have the patient sign it. <laughs> I've had a couple surgeries. I've had my ankle reconstructed. I've had my hand reconstructed. When I got, I read a story about somebody getting their leg cut off, and it was supposed to be a different person. And when I had my ankle surgery, I uh, got a Sharpie, and I wrote on my ankle. I literally wrote on my foot, this ankle surgery. And I... I showed the surgeon and I was like, look, I even, I labeled it for you. And he was kind of annoyed. I don't think I should have done that, but because they had to like shave your leg and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. They told me, I don't want want to wake up with no arms or something. Before I went in for my vasectomy, they told me. You have a vasectomy? They said, you can either shave or we'll shave you when you get here. And I was like, "Uh, I'll shave. So I didn't know how much to shave. So I just shaved from my nipples to my knees. <laughs> and I was really glad I did because when I was in there, they they taped me to my stomach. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. So I was like, man, I'm so glad I shaved that far up. Yeah. Dude, we anyway. could dive into stories. A, I'm just going to say, you brushed over the vasectomy real quick. Also, we don't have to circle back. I also put a bunch <laughs> of arrows. We don't have to circle back. I'm just saying. I put a bunch of arrows on my stomach pointing down like here. Yeah. You know, not you're not cutting anything yeah. else. Just right there. Yep. Yeah. Well, you already taped it up for us. Thank mm-hmm. you. I didn't tape it up. They did. Nah, I had 
when I was in the Marines, I don't know. Are we just telling stupid stories right so. now? Because yeah, uh, yeah, I was in the <laughs> Marines. And my buddies, we were in the in the barracks. I was like a private first class in the Marines. We're in the barracks and we're drinking. We're like nineteen, whatever. And one of my buddies had a waxing kit, and he was like, "Who wants to try it?" And I let them try it on me uh, down there, and. I I genuinely don't understand how people do that. It's physically, it's like not, it's like damaging. I was bleeding Dude, yeah. everywhere from just one spot. Mm-hmm. It was bleeding. And I was like, stop, 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 stop. And then one of my other, uh, my roommate actually was a black, he was a black man. And he used Nair on his face because he used to get razor bumps from shaving every day. It's, you know. So he would use Nair on his face sometimes. And he was like, well, I got Nair. You should finish it with Nair. We were, <laughs> dude, we're like 19-year-old Marines. We do this kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay. So mind you, I have like open sores already oh down there. And now somebody throws Nair in the situation. It's and like I ended up rubbing. with large blisters, yeah, yeah. like like physical injuries because it had pulled the hair follicles out of the raw spot and and the nair just it anyway let me tell you it's don't like lemon juice combine paper the two. Cut on your junk yeah 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 it was <laughs> sometimes you just gotta look back and laugh but if you're listening and you're curious don't ever combine the two either you wax you shave or you nair none of them should interact with each other you got to just pick a lane. That's the lane. Yeah. Or just leave it. Then you, you know? look like you 2021, got... 2021, just like leave it. Groin acne afterwards. This is growing out because you got all those ingrown hairs and bumps. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I am the choir and you are preaching to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Are you still Hey, shave? are we woodworkers or... You used to shave your whole entire yeah, body when you yeah, swam. You were a yeah. swimmer. I, <laughs> I didn't even know that. I just guessed. Yeah. <laughs> When I you were a swimmer? Going. Yeah, I was training for triathlons. And you're not going to wear your training triathlon oh, okay. wetsuit Don't in a pool. Don't you wear a wetsuit? You're not going to do that. So you, you oh, just wear your true. little Speedos and you shave you know, your entire body <laughs> so you can get a good time on your training. So I had to deal with all kinds of ingrown hairs all over my body. Yeah, man. It's, it's, not, it's not comfortable. I used to shave my legs when I was a cage fighter. Because it's say uh, if you if you shave your legs and then you get yourself real nice and sweaty before you actually get in the cage, it's harder for someone to put you in an ankle lock or a foot lock. You can slide your foot out. They'll try to lock up like a heel hook or an Achilles lock or whatever. And you can slip your foot right out. Call yourself the eel. Oh, I'm the eel. I'm slimy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, geez. Yeah. Oh, you want to hear about the other the other error that I made today? I made two errors today. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. Let's. So it makes me feel. I've got my my veneered panels right. Okay. So dig this. Yep. Um, I was telling Kyle uh, last year when I was making that maple TV stand, I should have learned my lesson here. But I was cutting the bottom panel on those, or on that to uh, final length. And uh, I was using the table saw, miter gauge, pushed the panel through, went to remove the panel, lifting it up. But instead of actually waiting and turning the table saw off and letting the blade come to stop and then removing it, I just reached over, grabbed the panel, lifted it up, and it slipped out of my thumb and went boom on the table saw and put a nice table saw arc right in the face of the uh, panel. 
lower shelf of that TV stand that I had made. So it was the bottom. So I just, you know, routed a slot a little bit bigger and then put a patch in. Nobody is going to ever see it unless they flip the thing over. Um, So here I am a year later, about exactly a year later, and I'm cutting a piece of plywood to fit to get the right length for the uh, one of the seat back panels to fit between the mid rail and the lower rail. And uh, I get it right. And then I remove that plywood panel. And then I take the veneered panel and I go to put it in between the stop on the miter gauge and the miter gauge fence. And as I lower it, I forget to pull the miter gauge back (laughs) all the way. Wait. So I forget to pull the miter gauge back all the way. And I put the panel in on the miter gauge fence Uh. and against the stop. And I go to lower the panel and the table saw blade's still running. And I forget to pull the gauge all the way back. So it goes zoink. So it dropped it onto dropped a on running, a running blade. blade and put a, a, an arc yeah. gouge like right, not on the very edge, but just in from the edge. It didn't go all the way through. It just went in, you know, maybe uh, three eighths of an inch, half inch uh, into the plywood and the veneered face. It's on the inside, so a cushion will cover it. So I'll easily be able to just route a slot, put a patch in. No one will see it. But still, the fact that I have done that once before, a year ago, didn't learn my lesson, and now have to do a slight repair is bothering me. It's been a day, man. When I used to, when I used to teach machine woodworking at, ben, at uh, the place place, one of the things I used to always tell students, we haven't talked about that in a long time, huh? Mm-hmm. I used yeah. to tell students when I would teach them how to use the table saw for the – I mean, I – I've probably taught, uh, I mean, a hundred people the very first time ever using a table saw. I've guided them through it. And the first thing I always tell them is pretend that you're Steve Irwin and it's like a, a King Cobra, the table saw. Like Steve Irwin's comfortable around a King Cobra. That He could pick up a King Cobra, but he's got his eyes on it. And he's being slow. And he's being careful. You know, when he's walking, he never takes his eyes off of it. That's kind of how... You get a little laissez-faire around that table saw, dude. You start Mm -hmm. gouging up panels, losing fingers. Mm -hmm. You're lucky, Sean. I am. I am. But you should should fill those voids with blue epoxy, is what I was going to say. Like like mint blue epoxy. Mm. Mm. Like its own little river table right (laughs) in your chair. (laughs) It's a little stream. A little little stream in there. Glow in the dark epoxy. Ooh, make it yellow. (laughs) Do <laughs> a yellow stream. <laughs> I wonder why you don't see that. <laughs> There's got to be a reason well, nobody bad, has dude. a yellow river on their table. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think Grant's pretty intrigued by it. <laughs> well, well, Kyle, what are you up to, man? Are we uh, are we going around doing the thing? Sure. Doing I mean, the damn thing. Dude, yeah, I finished up that giant cabinet, man. It's making it, I underestimated how much goes into making a cabinet that big because you stand the thing up to like put it together and do test fits. And then it's just, it every step takes like three times as long. You know, it's just like taking it apart, standing it up, moving it around. But I got it all done. The doors were, uh, 
they came out pretty sweet. I mean, I did like the metal I love it. on that. Dude, it came out so, so cool. I messaged Made you, it. man. That's one of the <clears throat> coolest things. I really like yeah. it. Yeah. I had never done it. The customer was like, yeah, this is what I want. And I was like, yeah, I'll just figure it out. I was going to try and order them online, uh, just like already made because you can. But I couldn't find them with the right sizing and then the spacing. And then I didn't know the size of my doors, you know, yeah. and yeah, all that stuff. So and then, you know, they would kind of, they kind of have to be custom made to each door unless it's like because it's like a 19 and three quarters by 19 inches is like the size of the panel. So. I got a to be bunch like of questions when you're custom done, but, but yeah, I made like this, uh, I made a MDF pattern where I spaced out all the holes beforehand, drilled them all out on the, on the, uh, drill press. And then I used probably a, I think a quarter inch punch. And then I laid, I took the, uh, the, the backer, which was just a sheet of plywood pine plywood uh three eighths thick and then i put the metal on top of that and then i put the template on top of that and then it was just three punches one two three one two three took about five minutes per panel is that uh, is that a sheet of aluminum or what is that a sheet of i think it's zinc it's It's just from home Home depot uh, okay yeah it's just like the 16th yeah 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 i have galvanized yeah yeah, super cool. I did a couple of test ones just to see how many hits it would be and like for the spacing and for the different size. Did you blow and through any of them? Did you like, were you dude, able to I blew through? through the, the second to last row, I blew through one. On, on the, the actual panel. job, on the real deal. Yeah, on the real, on the, on the last panel I was doing. What'd you do? Um, so I punched it all the way through and then I took a, a little, probably a two inch by two inch piece of metal. I cut it all out and I just made a punch on it. And then I just put it on the back and just like made it. So it like pushed through and you can't even tell, I I can't find it. I don't even know where it is. And then I just uh, duct taped it on there to be honest with like crazy, uh, the Gorilla Glue or the Gorilla Tape. And it's not going to go anywhere because it's sandwiched in between the wood on there so but it came out sweet man i want to do it for some more of my own stuff because i have a bunch of that metal left over because i had to buy some pretty big pieces is there i I didn't see the inside of the doors so there's wood backing up the metal on the inside of it so if you open the doors you're not going to see the back of the metal on the middle no you won't see the back Uh, of the metal because it's so thin you know like it would just be so flimsy yeah and i made it so that they just sit in a groove in the back like they're not in they're in like a rabbit they're not like glued up right in in a groove so you could just pull them out with screws i mean it's like the the you know we were trying to save some money so they're you know with the budget so they're just screwed in from the back they're made with you know pine sheet of plywood um and stained but but yeah that pro i mean it was fun um it was super fun so and then i cut the the i had to cut all the 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 metal so what i did is i sandwiched it in between I put a uh, my piece of wood on the bottom, my three eighths plywood, and then half of my sheet, so four sheets of that sixteenth gauge stuff, and then another sheet on top, and use a thin kerf um, carbide tip like circular saw blade on the table saw, and it just rips right through. You cut it, the metal with a table saw. Yeah, oh. I've yeah, I've cut brass like quarter inch brass on there, aluminum. Non ferrous metals though, brass yeah. and aluminum. I never heard of cutting a sheet of steel. I didn't know how it was gonna go, and <laughs> I just did a little test cut. But as long as it's backed, it's not gonna like 
you're not going to get it's supported on all yeah. sides. So like if you were to just feed it in there, it would like fold it into like the little tiny opening on the on the the, the throat of the whatever table saw. So so yeah, I finished up that. I mean, the doors they came out pretty sweet. I underestimated how much time the shelves take. There's seven shelves. They're 48 inches long and 13 inches wide. It's like just as much material as like the entire project. You know, and I ran out and I had to go get some more, like three extra pieces. So, but it's all done. And uh, the shelves have no sag or anything like that. They they're probably about an inch thick. I went a little bit thicker. And then there is a center support bar that has uh, shelf pins on there too. So it's like supported um, on five points, but I don't think it's going to sag at all, but yeah, it's huge, man. I was, I was standing on the shelves. I mean, just with shelf pins, it was, it was super strong. And I mean, this thing was huge, man. Wow. I want to build a cabinet like that, that you like open up the cabinet and step through like Narnia, you know, to get into another room of your house or something like that. Like, uh, sweet. like Meow Wolf, dude. Yeah. Meow Wolf's got a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah. Yeah, I oh, went cool. there on my uh, my road trip a couple of years ago. Meow Wolf. Nice. That yeah, they built one in uh, Denver and one in Vegas. Hmm. Pretty sweet little place, like an interactive art museum. Yeah, there's a lot of like Jordan. There's a lot of like washing, like you, a washing machine in the corner, and you open the washing machine or the dryer, and you mm-hmm. look and you crawl through, and it's like another entire Step space to another room. Yeah, pretty trippy. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically it. I just finished up, you know, that cabinet kind of took the whole week, and then I turned some tap handles that were in the shape of uh, baseball bats, little mini mini ones for a person here in town from a neighbor. It seemed like you did the cabinet super fast. Did you keep track of how many hours you were doing on that? Or uh, I did about five hours a day for eight days, so it was about forty hours. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I mean, it goes together pretty quick. It was dominoed together and then because it was so big and there's parts that you never see i reinforced it with um with pocket hole screws and those kind of act as clamps i mean this thing like you know it's it's just yeah making a cabinet that big you know it's a lot of work i underestimated but as long as like the doors don't have any twists in them i think that's like the biggest thing you know and you uh you only just ran the stuff through the wide belt. You didn't actually orbital sand anything. No, I, I orbital the, sanded it all because the look they wanted, they only it only needs to be sanded to like 150 grit. Yeah. So I just started with 150 grit on my sander, and pine is so soft. Yeah. That just 150 grit, and then um, <clears throat> American dark walnut stain from Minwax, and then uh, like uh, furniture wax over the top of that. So that part is, oh man, staining something that big too. It's, it took like three hours just to stain the whole thing. Have you have you done the math and figured out how much you made per hour on the job? Mm, that's, no. That's the devil time. That's the devil in the details yeah. right there. I mean, the materials were like under 300 bucks and it took 40 hours. 300 bucks for that whole thing? Jeez. Yeah, dude. Well, you, you had all that pine kicking around. No, no, all the everything was three hundred bucks. Pine, wow. metal, yeah, pretty cheap. And then the bummer was I ordered six quarter, but they sent me eight quarter. So I spent an insane amount of time milling. I probably had about I filled up the the fifty five gallon drum probably eleven times. 
just milling, no. just getting rid of wood. Jeez. So I wonder how much your pine is. I have, I, I could find my invoice, but I bought pine for this thing I'm working on now. I had to go do all the purchasing for like extension jams and trim for nine windows. And it was $1,023. Dude. Yeah. These boards were 16 feet long, two inches thick what? and 12 inches wide. And I got seven of them and they were like $41 a piece or something like oh that. Oh my God. Yeah. 16 feet long, $41 a piece. What's Sean, you're a math. So How there were 32, they were 32 foot? board feet each. Well, what's a linear foot? That's what you pay for pine. Mm. It, yeah, I mean, if they're forty, but they were probably like a dollar twenty, dollar fifteen a linear foot or something like that. That's crazy for eight quarter too. Which, oh my yeah, gosh, it's crazy! Yeah, I was yeah. paying like four twenty five for six quarter. I think around here, four twenty five yeah, a linear foot. I might wow. be wrong, but I think the wood comes from. Like in Denver or like, you know, that whole mountain, the, the Rocky Mountains area. So hmm. that might be why it's so cheap. But yeah. but yeah, cool cabinet. The people like it. So that's what matters. And I learned something new. The, the metal, you know, the metal's cool. So I kind of want to, but like I said, I got a bunch of metal left over. So I was going to use that for the one bar that I have that's inside of uh, the fire, uh, the bookcase that i built that has like the pop out door on it with the rfid card the back of that is just the wall of the house and i want to do those metal panels in there i think it looked pretty sweet yeah it's a method that you see in a lot of kitchen furniture for pie safes they use those metal panels pie oh yeah yeah. punch designs and things in them Mm -hmm. for the doors yeah, very tiring, dude. My arms were so sore the next day, you know. I'd have to I would do one and then I would get it all done, do all the steps, and then I'd go and kick the ball for Todd just to like get some more blood flow to my hand and let it rest a little bit. You now you said you drilled all the holes at the drill press. Did you consider doing it on the CNC to get like really, really accurate spacing? I was gonna do that, but it was just gonna take Way yeah. too long. I just use my Starrett. Yeah. You know, if you can get stuff pretty accurate with the Starrett. And the look of this, like, it is pretty perfect if you look at it. They're all spaced, you know, two inches on the on center. But the look of it, like, it would be okay if one was is off a hair. You know, it's kind of the vibe of what they wanted. Okay. Yeah. And the punches, I bought those at Home Depot. I got a set of six of them for, like, eight bucks. So... That's cool, man. I like being able to add a new skill like that, you know. There's another thing you can offer people. Right on. Yeah. Cool. But that's it, dude. That's all I made. I was happy to get it done, like I said. So now I'm working on that kitchen island. And um, I might be doing another van for my for my friend here soon. Jeez. The van yeah. man. The van man, dude. Sweet spot camper vans. Go and rent them and they're in San Diego. Sweet spot. Sweet spot. Go find yourself a sweet spot. Can you get me a That's deal? Thing. Like yeah, if I if I fly it. out there and I, I like want to rent one, can you hook me up? Dude, people flying from all over the place. It's pretty cool. But no, I'm talking about me and like getting a sure. deal, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm not people. Know. Um, You're not people, dude. You're my people. I'm so. your people. Okay. Yeah. Of course. The right now they're both on long-term rentals like people renting them for a month and for two months. 
I was showing Paige, uh, my girlfriend, I just said her name, oops, the early SNL, because we were watching like the newest SNL, and she hadn't really seen old SNLs, and I showed her the Chris Farley sketch. He plays a guy named Matt Foley, and he has, Sean might know, but have you ever seen the living in a van down by oh, the yeah. river? You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, we rewatched it this morning, and it's very funny having our coffee at like 10 a.m. or whatever. But I, I, it struck me, I would love to live in a van down by the river. That's not that bad. Especially it's like so funny you say that. Nowadays. It's hilarious yeah. you say that. I, I think like once you start getting into your 30s, you go, you know, that, that wouldn't be too bad. No, like <laughs> a sweet van. <laughs> you got a little tin boat, you're out fishing, you're on a river, you lay out in the sun Dude, with yeah i mean with all the stuff now you get a goal zero you got plenty of power you know you get a a, a little a diesel um you know or a propane cooktop you yeah. got plenty of hot plate stuff make your food i think when that you know, sketch the, came out he was probably in like a chevy astro van yeah dude, with the like chevy a, astro. <laughs> you know with like a yoga mat or something he's sleeping on I wonder what's going to happen to all these Sprinter vans because, you know, the original van was like the Volkswagen, you know, and people piling those things and going their road trips back in the yeah. 60s and 70s. Yeah. And now you see those things are so classic and iconic and people fix them up yeah, and they're super cool. What's going to happen to all these Sprinter vans 40, 50, 60 years from now? You know, are they, st- are they still going to be cool or are we going to have something way better than that? Too much computer stuff on the Sprinter yeah. vans today, I think. You know, the Volkswagens, dude, you can fix them with like a roll of duct tape, some chewing gum, you know, some some wire. But nowadays, everything's got sensors and wires and computers. And I don't know. I'm not sure. We shall see. Combi Life on YouTube. I mean, yeah. It's a channel I I I used to watch. Saving up. Saving up. What is Oh no! Of, Combi life, of course. On I'm not frozen. Combi life. <laughs> What's it called? Comedy Com- life. <laughs> Combi life. Combi life. It's a guy who started in Chile, I think. Um, Chile or Argentina. Bought a bought a VW bus van, converted it, and then was driving. He had a goal of driving it to Alaska, from Chile to Alaska. I think it's called. Maybe it's maybe his channel is called Asta Alaska, but I think it's Combi Life. I'll have to I'll have to look it up. I used to watch it though. I I fantasize about getting like a van like that, all hooked up, you know, a Sprinter or something, and then a boat and just a boat with a boat trailer and pulling it around and just fishing the entire country. But the thing that always gives me pause and panic is considering. Like accidentally dip in the back of the van in the water when you're launching the boat. Boy, that would ruin your entire time, huh? Or like one of them people that accidentally slips their whole entire vehicle in the water when they're launching the boat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That'd be like your entire life would just go away like that. Your whole home is just waterlogged. It's done. You're done. Fried. Yep. Your goal zero. Yeah, everything's fried. There was a dude, I didn't build his van, but he came to my shop. I did a little bit of stuff on it for him. But he had a sauna that he towed behind. He was a Swedish guy. He had a spinner van, and then he had a a, a trailer, a box trailer, and he turned that into a sauna. 
And so he towed his sauna around with him all over the country, all over the continent. He lives in Mexico now. That's just called a box trailer <laughs> on the East Coast in the summer. <laughs> the sauna. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Yeah. But, dude, what you got going on, Mr. Grant? How's that construction job? How's the union, boy? Oh, boy. I'm not in the union. I wish I was in the union. I was talking to some of the elevator guys at the job site the other day. So everybody at the job site, for the most part, that are in the union, they have to be at the job site at 6.30 a.m. They have to start working at 6.30. They leave at 2.30, right? And I was leaving the other day. So me and my Billy and Frank, we're, we're special. So we show up at like 8.30 and we work till 5, 5.30, whatever. You know, it's like we're not in the union. We don't care. I don't have to show up at 6. I'm not going to wake up at 3.30 in the morning to get to the job site. And we were leaving at like 5.30 the other day. And there were some union guys that were elevator dudes that were in the elevator shaft. They're just like tuning up the elevator, shimming stuff up and whatever. And I, I've gotten to talk to some of these people. So I know their names and we're talking. And I'm like, dude, what are you do, doing still here? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm working till six. This is a uh, mandatory overtime. I'm getting double time. Anything after eight hours is double time. I'm not going to say it, but if you go ahead and Google what the prevailing wage, which is what a, a union carpenter gets paid, it's like $70 an hour. And then you're doing double time. Good God. Jeez, dude. What do you say? Mandatory double, like mandatory overtime? I think on some jobs they make it make mandatory <laughs> overtime for certain people on certain days and stuff like that. I don't actually know how it works, but he said mandatory overtime. But yeah, if you're doing three hours a day at $140 an hour or something like that, oof, every day, every week. Mm. Cruising. Yeah, cruising. Anyway, that ain't for me. Um, the job's going good. Uh, we just got all these extension jams installed, this trim work. It's all really, it's going how it's supposed to go, you know, nailing in trim. Um, I did spend like six hours the other day and I'm going to, I'm actually going to spend probably six hours tomorrow, literally walking around with a little cup of ebony colored wood filler and a little piece of wood and a rag. This is like the quality of this job. I've sent you guys videos of the job site. The work there is impeccable. It's un, it's beyond reproach, you know, and for the stuff we're doing, we just, we can't have any vis visible nail holes, screw holes, nothing. Even though we're using trim head screws with little teeny tiny holes, they leave afterward. We still, I have to go through and uh, I'm getting my, I'm getting my rate just to, <laughs> just <I'm> getting, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm listening to an audio book wow. and I have a little thing of, like I said, wood putty. And I just go, I rub the wood putty with my finger and I get a rag and I wet the rag and I rub it down and then I move to the next one. Hours spent doing that. And it's not the best feeling because I'm an experienced carpenter. I'm, I'm a good carpenter, but it's part of the thing, man. Do the thing. Yeah, but Sometimes you got to do those tasks. Yeah. But we got all the extension jams and all the trim installed. The extension jams... I explained to you guys kind of what they are. They're the, the, the thing that carries from the window out to the wall. Uh, those took a few days to like three, four days. Um, so we had to pre-assemble them. I brought the Craig jig to the job site, did some of them with the Craig jig and yada, yada, got them in. And then it came to the face trim and Billy and I, who I've talked about in Billy locks, my, my work kind of unofficial work partner. We're, we're both independent of each other, but we work together all the time. 
we've worked together enough that, dude, we trimmed out the entire place in like eight and a half hours, nine hours in one day. Boom. Wow. Done. It was a hard day. It was a good day, though. Mm-hmm. It feels good. Anyway, yeah, so doing that. And then the one of the days, I, I think it might have been the nine-hour day, which doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, you t- got to take the T. I got to take the T into the downtown Boston and walk to the job site. I'm at the job site by 8.15. It's, a, it's just a long day. I get off the job site, get walk to Back Bay, take the orange line to the shop, walk to the shop. I come into the shop. And my desk that I'm also work because I went to the shop to put some finish on some parts for this desk to get this desk finished up. And dude, somebody gouged the shit out of my desk. And I don't know <sighs> who did it, but I was I was upset. I was more upset than I probably should have been, just kind of because it was like a long day and I hadn't eaten any food. Dude, and- it looked really bad. It looked pretty deep. It was just, it wasn't a big gouge, but it was a deep gouge. Like a couple of people were like, oh, can't you just get like a stained pen and kind of fill it in? And I look, I'm like, dude, you can't on a desk like that. Everything's pristine. Everything's perfect. You, so I, I should have been able to possibly deliver the desk like Monday, uh, tomorrow or Tuesday, maybe. But no, I had to take that piece of the desk off, run it through the planer, run it through the wide belt, bring it back, you know. Anyway, so I'm at the point where I got enough finish on everything. I should have one more coat of finish to put on that slat that I had to repair and then give it a couple days to cure. Because you always want to give your finish a couple of extra days before you start putting moving blankets on it and stuff. At least I do. Because, you know, you never know. If the finish isn't totally cured, yeah, harden up. You don't want to throw a moving blanket on some finish that's a day old and then suddenly the fibers start sticking to it or something. But, uh, yeah, I'm almost there on that, that, uh, desk. So it's going, man. I'm just working straight through. It was done, done though. Right. And like you were supposed to deliver it and then you have to, you have to get yourself more time. Yeah. Well, customer or something. Yeah. I talked to him and was like, Oh, I think I can deliver it mid next week. And and now it's getting pushed back maybe next weekend, which it's not the end of the world. Like I said, I, I kind of overreacted about the scratching. Maybe I didn't overreact. I don't know. But the thing in a shared job site, or not a job, a shared shop like ours is, if you scratch somebody's work or you do something like that, you tell them immediately. You call them. You text them. Because this has happened before. Somebody somebody gouged a cabinet I built a couple years ago. I'm not going to say who it was because it doesn't matter. But the person who gouged my cabinet, they scratched it. They actually called me on the phone and were like, dude. I just scratched your cabinet. Don't be, you know, hope you're not mad. I'm sorry. And guess what? I wasn't mad. Nobody's mad. I'm like, dude, that happens. But when they tell you right away, you can get to the shop and hurry up and fix it before it becomes an an issue of time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel like you kind of, you can tell when you whack into somebody's project on a car. We have carts in our shop. You can feel it. You bump into something. Mm-hmm. You know you bumped into something. Yeah. But whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. Dude, it's a cool desk, though. I like the, the style of that. And the stain on that looks pretty sweet with that grain pattern. It came out. Yeah. It looks pretty sweet. Is that ash with black on it? It's red oak with red oak. ebony okay. gel stain. General finishes ebony gel stain. Well, dude, that's the best looking red oak I've ever seen. I always. I don't like red oak. <laughs> You know, it's funny because I've had other people, Billy 
uh, didn't argue with me, but he was like, why Red Oak? And it's just maybe my, my way of thinking. But anytime I hear someone say stain, I immediately go to Red Oak because they're just Red Oak just takes stain like really, really well. I think, you know, I've never seen Red Oak hmm. take stain bad. Maple, I don't know. Pine, yeah. definitely not. I, I don't know how you stain that pine. I don't stain pine. Dude, it's when it's dark, though. It's kind of all going to turn out the same, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I could have done it out of ash in hindsight, but I don't know. Just red oak, it's cheap. It's like four bucks a board foot here, I think, right now. And, you know, yeah, it's good wood. It's hard. Nice open grain for stain. So, yeah. No, it looks cool. I really like that desk. But it's I did not. I did not know what it was going to look like. It looks pretty sweet. But in in what we were talking about, yeah, you probably saw it. it's like a big L shaped desk. But and what we were talking about earlier, this is like you know I try we try as podcasters as short timing podcasters, but podcasters try to let people know who are listening who might be beginners or just starting out when you go to build a, a frame and panel anything. The really nice way to do it is to have a groove in your panel and you glue the, the or you glue the panel into the frame. You know what I mean? It's it's permanently in there. But it's real nice to have it sit in a rabbit and be screwed in from the back. If the clients are okay with it, like you were doing with your doors, Kyle. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. Being able to pop that thing out and fix it, change it, mm-hmm. flip it around. That's, it kind of gives you, yeah, a little bit more freedom for the future, too. Like, if the oh, person yeah. wants to change something out, you know, you can totally redress that thing, put a different panel in there, t- entirely different material, you know. I like that just for my own sake, too. Like, I can, like, the bookcase I built, they just pop in from the back. And if I want to change out those leopard print ones, I can, I can put oh. something else in there. Yeah. Or anytime I'm building a cabinet that hangs on a wall, because I've built in the last couple of years, I built some like seven foot tall cabinets that were wall hung and I did a rabbit on the back and I used a half inch panel on the back that got screwed into the wall. But with a rabbit, you can glue and screw that back panel on like really, really, really strong in a way that I don't know that I would trust a groove, you know? Yeah. you. Yeah. That's exactly how this, the back of this cabinet was a four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood is basically screwed into the back and it's just in a rabbit yeah and if once it's fit in there i mean you get the same i feel like you get more strength you know because it's it's touching all of the faces it's not floating in there and then it's screwed in on top of that and it's, yep. yeah the thing is the thing is solid how many do you, do you do a lot of screws i did uh pocket hole screws every because uh, on the, the sides, like the, the back was a 48 inches wide. And so I could just slide a whole sheet of plywood in there. So I didn't, I didn't have enough room to add a groove, like a rabbit to the back of the side panels with mm-hmm. the top and the bottom have rabbits on them. So I'd use pocket hole screws and I just put one, I think every eight inches yeah. up the side. And then on the bottom, I put them every six inches. I try to do a rabbit on the back of a cabinet like that. And if it's like, <laughs> Three, like we'll say it's one inch thick material that makes up the frame of the cabinet. I'll wrap it away five eighths, you know, and leave a th- leave three eighths remaining. And the five eighths is plenty of room to run, you know, I'll run screws in like every six inches if it's wall hung. I'll glue it and run screws in every six inches. And that way, that thing ain't coming off the wall. You can do pull ups on it and stuff. Yeah. I didn't think about gluing it in. 
it just seemed like it might not be necessary. Yeah, for something like that. I don't know. It's a good idea. If maybe if it was for me, I would have glued it in just because I I would know that I'm never gonna need to take it out for whatever reason. But I never thought about that gluing in that back. I've always gone just straight to screws. You know, kind of like a shiplap type of thing. You're always screwing it in. I would never do that if it weren't plywood. You know, with with any sort of glue or anything. But yeah. Well, anyway, that's what I'm up to. I'm just building this, uh, doing this build out. Got another couple of weeks and I'm building this here desk. And as soon as that's done, I got a couple other projects in the can ready to go. Um, yeah, dude. And this is just, dude, what's know? up with that one room that you built? The ash room. The ash. Oh, though, I, I still mm. have to work. That's one of the next projects I have coming up. Talking about the living room built ins with the sliding doors and stuff. Right. Yeah. Yep, I still have an entryway to do for them, but um, COVID is a pretty serious concern for certain people. You know, certain clients are more concerned about right. it. So that's uh, that's in the in the future, though. In the next couple months, I think hopefully you, if some people get vaccinated and we can uh, comfortably go into someone's apartment. It's kind of crazy being on this job site, though. I've, I mean, I've met multiple people on this job site I'm working on. The commercial one, multiple people who have had COVID twice. Whoa! You know, and, and this place is there's no, yeah, there's there's like nowhere to wash your hands after you use the porta john. There's just hand sanitizer everywhere, and I don't know. Anyway, huh. hope I don't get kicked off the job site for talking about it. Hopefully, nobody there listens to the podcast. <laughs> but um, twice. Yeah, you think nice. you would think at some there point they would theory. just have someone with the vaccine front door, you know. Yeah, so they had it twice over the course of a year. So I think you're because your antibodies run out after like whatever five months or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's a scary, you know, kind of a scary thing, dude. What a bummer too, just to get it twice. You're like, I already, yeah. I already went through all this. Yeah. Could you imagine you, Grant, getting it a second time? Uh, that's what I'm worried too. about, man. I had it in November, December, January, February, going on March. That's four months, you know. Mid-March would be four months. So, I don't know. Getting, getting close to... <laughs> I gotta be careful. Yeah. Well, what would you guys want to do for this, for the rest of the time? We were just going to do like a little bit of a longer one, let it run a little bit, a little bit longer, because this is our last episode, if you did not know that. I don't know the number, but we're well over 250, right, Sean? Yeah, this is 252. 252. Oh. <sighs> You guys want to talk about, I was thinking about it, since this is 252 episodes for you guys, this is 152 episodes for me, more or less, something like that, right? Maybe we could, uh, yeah, something. We could talk about briefly what we were doing when the podcast first started, where we were, and then where we are now, because it's kind of funny. I was thinking about it. It's kind of funny, the contrast, you know? Well, yeah, I remember when the first time I met Grant was when we, me, Sean, and Brian McCauley, who was on the show before Grant, we went to the Making It 100 in Boston, and I had followed Grant online, and I was like, this would be, Grant would be a great addition to the show, you know, if something were to happen or whatever. I just always wanted to do something with you. I thought you were a super cool dude. Oh, and then look at us now, dude. 152 more episodes in. It's pretty cool. You know, I met. I can tell you how I met Kyle Toth. Let me tell you that. 
I had <laughs> I had my sights set on graduating from North Bennett Street and moving to the West Coast. I, I'm it's, to this day I'm still on the same boat. I'm done with winter. I hate it. And I was like, as soon as I finish Bennett Street, I'm moving west and I'm gonna do something there. And Dan Faya, the head instructor, was like, "Oh, you should talk to Kyle Toth. He's a graduate and he lives in Southern California. I think you actually lived in Central California." Temecula. No, so I live in Temecula. It's about 45 to an hour from San Diego. Yeah, it's southern. That's very southern. Yeah, yeah, it's Southern California. So the one day you guys were walking through the bench room at Bennett Street and Dan Faye came up to me and was like, hey, that's uh, that's Kyle Toth. And I was like, because I had followed you online. I'm like, oh, oh, really? That's him. And that's how we ended up talking the first time. I didn't talk to Sean. I think Sean was off looking at the veneer press or something, if I remember correctly. Probably don't remember correctly, but. Yeah. yeah, I remember we talked for a while because you were you had some really cool chair on your bench too. Oh yeah, I was building a rocker. Yeah, that's Another what it rocker. was. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I remember that you you were all hot about it, dude. You were trying to get out of there and into. You were asking me all these questions about clients and shops, and I remember for a, for a little bit, I feel like you didn't you weren't we talking about you were gonna possibly rent some space from you? Yeah, yeah, rent my rent my shop or something. Yeah. Like that. Yep. Yeah, that was for real. Crazy. Yeah, but I got I got lured into moving back to Pittsburgh when I graduated, and uh, I rented a shop there, man. So when the time by the I'll just go first. By the time you guys actually asked me to be on the show, I rem- I'll remember the I remember the moment you guys called me, or maybe texted me. But I had actually started my own podcast by myself. It was called talking to people who make things. I know it's a long name. It was supposed to be funny, but people just thought it was too long. And uh, I was deer hunting the day that you guys texted me. I was in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, with a Mossberg 500 strung over my shoulder. And I got a text in the middle of the woods. And I was like, hey, do you want to be on our podcast? And, and I'm like, oh. Or, yeah, I think you might have asked me to try it on out. on your boots. Oh, I had, I had scent draggers hanging from my boots, dude. I did. I had deer pee hanging from my boots. Oh, my gosh. Did I tell you that? Or are you just making that up? No, I didn't know No, that. I'm just making a joke because that's what hunters do. <laughs> yeah, it's like pieces of felt you, you drag behind your boots so it covers up your scent. But, yeah. And the time since then, though. Dude, I'm. I went. I shut my shop down in Pittsburgh because the building was being demolished to be turned into a condo because it was in a nice part of Pittsburgh called Lawrenceville. I had a shop right in the middle of Lawrenceville. They tore it down, turned it into a condo. I moved back to Boston. I got a space. It's a whole story. I had actually kept my name in the hat at the shop I'm at now, Charlestown Furniture Makers, just because I thought they were going to tear the condos down. I moved back to Boston. So I had a yard sale at my wood shop and I put it on Craigslist and I called it a woodworker's yard sale. And I had set up folding tables all through my shop with covered in hand tools and planes and garbage I didn't need. I knew how big my wood shop space was going to be in Boston because Bob Miller told me it was like, oh, yeah, it's eight foot by six foot. So I blew, <laughs> got blue tape. It, it was tiny. I went from a 1700 square right. foot shop to an eight foot by six foot bench space. So I got blue tape and I taped off an area in my shop right in the middle. And I moved like my benches and some stuff. And I had it set up just how it was going to be when I moved. And then I sold everything. I I sold, dude, I had a planer, a giant joiner. I had a crescent 20 inch joiner. I sold, what's up? 
Dude, was that hard to sell your tools? Because I've thought about that with where like we move. I'm like, I might be selling things if I get into a space like what you have. The most money that I made as a woodworker, in the, in the, at least in the city of Pittsburgh, was the profit I made selling my tools, my machines. My machines, mostly. Because I bought old machines and I fixed them up because I learned how to tune up machines at Bennett Street. But, dude, if, you're, if you play your cards right, you, you'll do okay. Yeah, I remember you had that some really nice stuff. I th- what, did you have like an Oliver or a Porter planer or not planer joiner? It's like a sixteen inch one. It was a Crescent twenty inch planer or okay. jointer jointer. I had a Crescent nineteen twenties twenty inch joiner. It was like oil lubricated and stuff. Mm. Yeah, I had a Powermatic sixteen inch planer. I sold. I got. I bought it for like two hundred fifty bucks. I sold it for like eight hundred bucks. Um, yeah, yard sale everything off. And I moved back to Boston and I literally went from live. I lived in my wood shop in Pittsburgh. I lived in a food on a futon in the office room in my shop. I had no, I had no shower. I had no kitchen, nothing. And I sold everything and I moved into a six foot by eight foot spot at the shop in Charlestown. And I moved into a rented bedroom in Boston with three other people that I didn't know. Dude, I remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. On the third floor of a house in Medford, Massachusetts. But over the last couple of years, man, it's funny being on the podcast because we've talked about all this stuff. But in, in hindsight, it was a lot of big changes. So I moved in. I eventually stayed at Charlestown and I did some big jobs. I got some commissions. I moved in with my girlfriend in Jamaica Plain. And now we have our own place in Medford again. And uh, dude, it's been quite the journey on the podcast. If somebody's been listening this whole time, they would know. We've all gone through some pretty decent sized changes you know yeah because it's it's like it's the one thing that we've literally done like every week you know with a few, once a few week weeks off here once yep. a week basically the same time it's been like the one consistent thing you know this entire time for me so it's like i've kind of like browned out for a lot of it like i have to like go and look at photos to like remember where I was because it's just everything blends together now. I can't really remember everything, but dude, I was in a yeah, I was in in the barn shop for a while for like a year or maybe a year and a half with Sean, and then I moved out here to New Mexico, um, and I'm getting ready to move again. You know, so it's like I bought a house in that time and got to do a bunch of house stuff, which was kind of fun building stuff for this place. But I was just looking at all of the Tauruses I made, and I think it's crazy. I've made five of those Tauruses mm-hmm. since doing this show. Wow. Oh, wow. And I, and I think that's kind of like one of my higher-end achievements for me just because those things are – they're a lot of fun to make, but they're like very precise in what they are, and everything kind of has to be perfect with them. Um, but, yeah, man, it's just like I'm uh, I'm very happy that obviously we did this – and I'm sad that it's leaving, but you know, it's like, we're not, we're all still going to be friends. We're not going anywhere. Nobody's mad at each other or anything like that. You know, it's just, uh, just moving on. And I think that's kind of cool too, just to see kind of what happens next, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Better to burn out than to fade away, dude. Yeah. Cause now I'm at this new stage. Like I'm moving again, you know, it could be, it could be in a really cool spot. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, but I don't know, man. I don't know. It's been a fun ride, that's for sure. Absolutely. And I got Todd, too. I got Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we started, Sean. Kyle, uh, what was it? I think, did we record our first episode in the, the very late, late 
very end of 2015 or did we start it in 2016 January was our first recording I, I don't recall I think it was in January okay. I'm not sure I was trying I've been scrolling through my photos to try and get back to I that remember time. when we started um, <clears throat> Brian called me and was like hey do you want to do this podcast and then he went oh wait you just had a kid never mind and I was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so for the <laughs> listeners listening to this if you've been hearing screaming in my background that's the one that was born what a joy <laughs> let's just let's clear it up once and for all how many, how many children kids? do you have? <laughs> how many? Do you have five kids? Well, the rumor yeah, is 11, have... but I have four. I have four. Yeah. I have a four 10, kids. 10, okay. four kids. 10, 9, 8, and 5 right now. Um, that's, wow. So, that's uh, yeah, that's that's when we started. I think I was either just starting or in the midst of working on the, uh, the bed that I made my daughter with all those cherry blossom inlays on it. Yes, um, I remember that. <clears throat> when we started that and uh, the projects Dude, that have come from it. You, hmm? Yeah, I think we all met for the first time. Me, Sean, and Brian met in Kansas City. Didn't we all meet yeah. there? Yeah, it was Kansas City. Yeah. It was earlier that year in it was a September, I think, of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, when you go to those – go to events like that, you meet people and then you just – things kind of click and you go, oh, you know, I, I wouldn't mind collaborating with that person on a YouTube video or a project or something. That's that's just how it goes. Um, so, this, that's mm-hmm. kind – this is what has come from that essentially. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've been through a lot of challenges as well. Uh, in 2000, end of 2016, my wife lost – well, she didn't lose her job. She resigned from her job, and then we were unemployed for like four months, four or five months, and that was uh, difficult. Um, and uh, once she became full-time employed again, uh, I started looking for work, and I had spent three years – three, six, seven, nine – Four years, four years four. looking for a full-time job. Um, and people would recall, you know, between the commissions that I did and uh, everything, um, people recall me studying for IT exams, <laughs> considering joining the Air Force, and then uh, finally uh, getting you, a job. You were going to be special forces. On the Navy base. <laughs> <laughs> No, I could. I considered. Been, I considered being the going into the crow uh, field of the Air Force, but no. I after looking at it, and I was like, "Nah, I'm too old for that." So, um, like, I considered yeah. just being an analyst. Uh, anyway, so I ended up essentially getting an almost an like an analyst job here uh, at China Lake, and uh, things have been good. I ain't gonna lie. It's tr- it's tough, but uh, it's been fun so far. Yeah. Well, here That's we crazy. are. Not that it took you that long to find a job, but like you were like looking for a job like that whole time. But you were well, looking for like the right job. Like you didn't want. I was looking for a, a job, job in job. my field. I was being very very picky. Yeah. I could have gone to any Home Depot or McDonald's or wherever grocery store and probably gotten hired pretty quickly. But uh, it it just would not have been worth the time. Uh, so you know, when the opportunity arose for me to get a job there, yeah, I uh, I was not throwing away my shot. <laughs> yeah, Alexander, 
uh, Hamilton. Yeah, I can't say that I necessarily have like a favorite episode just because like, like you know, I I don't necessarily always go back and like listen to them, you know, because I'm here right. for it. Um, but like, yeah, I just, I, do you guys have like a favorite episode? I know some, I got some messages on Instagram, like people saying, Oh, lo- we'd love to know your favorite episode. Like this was my favorite episode. And yeah, I just didn't know if you guys had one or not. I mean, I like the one about shark sanding. Oh, probably. Yes. That was fun. <laughs> that was a really that was good a one. Fun one. Yeah. That yeah. one. And, uh, when we had Matt Thayer on the first time. We, I don't remember if we had him on a second time or not. I don't think we did have him a second time. We just had questions from him. But uh, no, no, we did. We talked to him about boat building before Grant came on. Um, yep. But I think yeah, it did. was an early episode. It was like, uh, I think in the 80s, 70s or 80s when we had him on as a guest caller uh, when we did that segment. Uh, that was a really fun one. And then, of course, the the sandpaper one. I don't even remember the name of the titles of these. I think it was that was episode 109 or something. That was minty fresh dollar minty bills. Minty fresh dollar bills. Minty fresh. Yeah. yeah, dude, I learned that trick from my apprentice when I did my apprenticeship in San Diego. We were at a job, and the finish was like slightly raised. And he's like, "Oh, you know, like what? What do we use to like buff it out?" He's like, "Oh, do you have a dollar bill?" And the dude pulled out like a fifty or a hundred or something like that, and that's what we used to like buff down this finish. He like, really did okay. use that. Yeah, he really did use that. Huh. I was like, it just stuck, you know. He said just use because it's like linen. He said, you know, like he could use like a brown paper bag yeah. or something like that. But the linen type of paper that money, that American money is made out of is really good for wiping out finish, you know. So I, I just it, use, it is a real thing. I use computer paper. It's yeah. probably cheaper, but <laughs> a little bit. It doesn't look as cool, though. You just get a couple hundreds or a couple fifties and you tape them together. And mm. you get a bigger piece with that. Thing is, when you yeah. rub out finish like that, it, it loads up and you got to eventually throw the piece of paper away once it gets loaded up with all them nibs, you know? Yeah, you just get rid of the money and you get some more. <laughs> you bring it back to the bank. You say, these ones are bad. I want new ones. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> these are bad. These ones are bad. They got stuff all over them. I don't know what they are. I think when I think back on the show, what I keep thinking about is, man, there were times on the podcast when I was broke. There were times that I was broke beyond broke. And uh, and I feel like those ones stick out in my mind. I remember recording podcasts in my rented bedroom in Medford on the third story. And it was like 150 degrees in this room in the summer. And I would be sweating into my headphones talking to you guys. And I, did, I couldn't afford to buy an air conditioner. And uh, it's kind of cool looking back now. And I know that I've kind of compromised my woodworking in a way that I'm doing install work and, you know, eh. stepping around doing that kind of stuff. But, dude, just contrasting. You know, I could, I, I could go back now, 50 years from now, my grandkids, whenever, they could go back and listen to those episodes, hopefully, and hear how desperate and awful my <laughs> life was. <laughs> Destitute <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the burger was. <laughs> yeah. But it is cool that you could look back and you have that record, you know, because yeah. sometimes you, you don't have that, like, record or that photograph or, like, something that, you know, puts that in a time. Because when I moved in my shop in, in Marietta, dude, yeah, I was so poor, man. I spent all my money 
you know, on renovations and fixing that place up and getting it ready and buying tools and all that stuff, you know, and I was like, oh, shoot, I got to I got to make stuff, you know, and it's just like, you know, going from that and other shops and just being able to like, you know, buy a new car and do everything, you know, things that you want to do in life. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I remember up you you up there in that, that place and just being so sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. Just so sweaty. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I did couple of years well anyway it's been fun yeah no it has been fun man and i like i said i i i am so happy that i got to do it with you guys and just be friends with you guys so the show i just, I just want to thank you too for being here for all of it well, thank you too for asking me to be on the show because it never would have happened if you guys hadn't asked me sean mm-hmm. thank you for Doing all the BS work you have to do every dude, week to get the show editing, uploaded. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's oh fun. my god! Yeah, it's Grant so and I just leave. Okay, send my tracks. Yeah. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Kyle's always Literally. like, "Send oh, my tracks." Bye. My, my track split into three. Sorry, <laughs> oh, dude. That was always yeah. me, man. That was always me. Tracks being split into three. I remember when I used to do the the podcast at my shop, and I used to use my iPhone to boost a signal mm-hmm. and those were always just super sketchy episodes like they'd be i'd be in and out and my phone would be like melting the case because it'd be getting so hot right. turning off and stuff right. like that yeah no it's it's good it's fun <sighs> i i got into a rhythm at one point you know i used to edit i, I spent three hours editing a 45 50 minute podcast and uh, i just got to the point i was like you know what let's not do that anymore let's just leave stuff in <laughs> And yeah. we got into a flow where I basically could. We wouldn't be like, oh, okay, so uh, what's next? Oh, I don't know. Uh, let's do this. You know, we didn't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So we just got into a good flow, which made editing very easy. For well, sure. Yeah. So now, now we well, yeah, dude, did you get all... any questions or anything like that? Yeah, dude, people? we have a couple of them, actually. Um, we could probably go through them pretty quickly. This one comes from Glenn Vashner, one of our patrons. Uh, he is making or is planning on making a round, a 23-inch diameter round, and I imagine that's probably just the top, uh, sort of like a side table, nightstand type thing. And he wants to know, how would you go about doing the curved round aprons? to go underneath the table to connect the legs. I've done he, he's, round table he's like asking that. would you do a would you do a, a bent lamb bent lamination or would you just big glue up a big block of wood and then cut the curve and then veneer that curve. Yeah. Ooh, he would never do that. That's, yeah, don't yeah, do that. Yeah, I I well so maybe I did something wrong then, but I did one where it was segmented and then I wrapped uh, like eighth inch thick solid wood over those segments. Is that bad? No. I mean, I think what I was saying is like you wouldn't just do a solid block of wood. I don't know how segments would work, but I know that the idea you probably know this is a bricking, you know, you, mm-hmm. you brick, which might be what you meant, you know? Yeah. You glue together bricks with rough angles, so it's yes, you know, and then kind of like the, a segmented piece. And you but have yeah, the quarters you could do- on face out, so there's no real width expansion to worry about. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is the width. Like how how tall is your is your apron going to be? Um, if I were, it's just when you do round tables, bent laminations can be like a little little tricky. You know, like it's just cutting cutting joinery on round pieces if you don't have a 
a domino on curved pieces if you're trying to cut a tenon or something like that can just be really hard because you have to set up jigs and you know you got to make all those custom jigs and everything so Mm -hmm. if you have a domino i'd probably go bent lamination um the hardest part i would say is just cutting all of your curved parts to the same length and you're still going to need jigs for it yeah you're going to need that that uh, bent lamb form make sure you keep that as a uh, form for cutting the end square and then doing the the joinery Yep. yep Um, yep, that's yep. another good reference for this would be Guy Dunlap's channel, um, Guy's Woodshop on on YouTube. He has done a couple of demi loon tables, and uh, essentially, I think if I recall from the way he does it, he is he makes the curved aprons, and then from there he uh, lets the spring back do its thing, because you know. It's going to spring back some, so he doesn't. He doesn't keep the shape, the perf- that diameter as the constraint for the the size of the table. He allows for the um, the spring back on those aprons to basically lead to the overall size of the table. So he goes off of that. So that's like one of the first things that he does: legs, hmm. bent lamb aprons, and then he makes the table to uh, cover the the uh, aprons and the legs. Um, so that's a, that's a good resource for that. I think also, if you want to go back to old school, David Marks um, episodes, he does a elliptical mirror frame out of Babinga. And he does exactly what uh, you, Kyle and Grant were talking about cutting the angles, making the ellipse shape and then bandsawing out the, uh, the shape. I guess he probably used a template and then bandsawed and then did a router to, to finish it off. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I think those are vi- all viable options if you do it like that. I wouldn't the, don't don't glue up a big block and then cut through all of your <laughs> glue lines. That's not that's not <laughs> a good idea. Um, the anyhow. thing I like so about bent lamb versus bricking, and I know it's it's not like it's kind of six and one half dozen and the other, but when you do bent lamb, you can if you play it right, glue your finished piece on at the same time that you do the bend you know what i mean so if you're gonna have like mahogany yeah. you, you you can include the mahogany in the bent lamination and boom it's on there whereas if you do bricking which is you know gluing up a bunch of quarter sawn pieces then you have to do the bricking cut it to shape perfectly fair it out and then you have to glue the veneer to that surface which is like an extra kind of a step you know, yeah, you got to have calls and stuff like that. You got to figure yeah. out how to, how to do that. Mm-hmm. And I find a lot of times with doing it that way is you're trying, I'm trying to figure out how not to break the, my curve pieces, my stack bricks down below. Like it has to be supported. You know, you can't just like crank a bunch of clamps on it. It has to be in a form or, right. you know, just it has to be backed by something. Cause you can, you can snap it if you're putting too much clamping pressure on it. Yeah. If I remember correctly on David Marks's video, he left material on the outside that was going to get cut away and put notches in the actual material so he could clamp those angles together. And then afterwards, Ooh. put the template down and r- removed all of those uh, those uh, notches that he left. That was the first time yeah. I saw that done. I thought that was a neat idea. You can also, if you're careful, when, are you talking about when you're bricking? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when you're gluing bricking? Yeah. You can also use a nail gun and just nail the bricking together as you're gluing it down. If you not 
not like through the angle, but you can nail yeah. it flat down to the piece below it through the end. As long as the nails aren't going to lay within the area that you're cutting away, you know, it'll mm-hmm. hold it in place. Yeah. Then you could stack it up a lot faster. You're not waiting for your putting clamps on, you know, you can go from one yeah. layer to the next layer. You just got to be careful that those nails don't end up wherever you're going to be using your shaper head or your, your router flush trimming mm-hmm. bit, you know. There was a person at Bennett when I was there at the place place, and they were making uh, some sort of curved aprons, but Lance had them do it in solid material, and they cut grooves into it and then put, like, in those table saw, say, eighth-inch wide grooves, they put in more uh, pieces of wood because when you're cutting through a curve on a solid piece of wood, the grain is changing, And so some of it is partially end grain. So they put in, they inlaid a bunch of face grain material in slots and then veneered over the top of that. Hmm. But this was a small curve. Like there was, it was like a Queen Anne style, something with like really tight curves on like a side table or something like that. That sounds like the least fun I've ever had in my entire life. What? Making a Queen Anne? Yeah. And then just cutting and putting face grain pieces. (laughs) <laughs> I know we're all woodworkers here, but you know it doesn't it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, well, let us know what you do, man. Let us know what you do, Glenn. Yeah. Cause I want to know. Can let us know one? how the bent lamb goes. Mm-hmm. Another one from Doug Dietrich out in Louisiana. Uh, he has a question about his carving hatchets. How do you sharpen one? That's the first question. How do you sharpen a carving hatchet? And two, what the hell can you do with a carving hatchet? I've never used one. I've so. never sharpened one. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> never done it. <laughs> Grant, did you use them for your did. Um, spoon carving? Yeah, yeah, at all? yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to describe how to sharpen something in, in like with words. But I'll say if you learn, so there's two types of of sharpening. We as maybe as woodworkers do, and the way I and this is just me kind of spitting from the dome. I don't actually know if this is written anywhere. But you got single bevel sharpening, single bevel, like a chisel, like the back is flat and then there's one bevel on a chisel. And that's a super well-established technique. You you flatten the back and either you hollow grind or use a a, a honing guide and you put a micro bevel maybe, but I don't do that. Um, But then you have a double bevel sharpening. And that is what you would use on like a kitchen knife maybe or a a carving. So the... the, both ends come to a point at both beveled. Right. Um, and when I sharpen a hatchet, I go at it the same way I do with a kitchen knife. It's kind of just finesse or like a pocket knife. And you just kind of find the angle and just sharpen. I grind it, you know, close to the edge. Um, and then I use little DMT diamond. I call them diamond toothbrushes, but like a little diamond paddle. that looks like a toothbrush. You know what I'm talking about? Um, mm-hmm. they're diamond plates. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I hold the hatchet in my left hand and I kind of squeeze it against my chest like a violin. And I, I get my right hand and I hold the little diamond paddle and I go back and forth. And then the other side, and I do it the same way. I hold it like a violin and I go for it. How do you know not to go, like, start to round over that edge? I like, don't. Can you tell if you are? Or is it just kind of like, like, it's just something you got to develop, kind of like sharpening like a regular chisel, like on the stones. You got to yeah. learn to you balance just- it. You just got to develop it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just, you go for it and then you test it for sharpness and, 
if it's not sharp, you know, you got to go back to the drawing board. But yeah, carving hatchets, though, are great for spoon carving and green carving and stuff like that. It just they're not the kind of thing you're going to like carve a piece of furniture with, maybe. But they're really more almost the way I've used them are almost more like a uh, like a, a fro in a way you you follow the grain direction and use them to chop away wood with the grain direction because it's just a big wedge it's a sharp sharp wedge so you can sever fibers into the grain but once you start really whacking at it it's 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 kind of like a wedge it's going to split the grain you know so mm-hmm. there's a lot of videos online about how to sharpen that i'm sure but i've always for as long as i've had a hatchet or an axe i just kind of sharpen them by hand i'll touch them to the grinder for a minute and you know, that's about it. Dude, have you ever seen a hollow grinded one? Is that possible? Can you just have a hatchet that's just hollow grinded? I think maybe, but it might get a little skinny toward the tip. No, that's true. Yeah. 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 You know, okay, never mind. But, you know, you do still kind of want to joint it and make the edge smooth and then grind to the edge, you know, using the, the, mm-hmm. the tool rest on your grinder. But disclaimer, I'm not. I've spent a lot of time spoon carving during the quarantine because that's literally the only thing I could do because I had none, no machinery. My shop was shut down. I'm not a master at that. So if you're listening and you're frustrated right now, deal. I'm not a master at this. Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have even answered that. But yeah, double bevel sharpening. It's finesse. It's just a finesse thing. Right. You got to get it. Get your technique down. Next, right. dude. Next, right. what are next. you doing? Okay. Next, uh, Rusty Chicken. <laughs> he said he's he's using a thickness planer to flatten out his segmented rings, and he's using hot. He's he says he's hot gluing them to melamine, a melamine piece around the edge, but just they just keep popping off. So should plywood work better, or do I just keep yes. adding more glue? Yeah, plywood. So you need something with. A I guess bit he's more hot gluing it. it. Yeah. He's using the plywood or the melamine as a as a surface. Yeah, and he's he's gluing it around. Is that the way I'm understanding it? It's just too. It's just too yeah, waxy. It just shit just, just doesn't stick to melamine. Yeah. yeah, I use melamine for like if I if I have to glue something up. Like I was building all these big box beams for this job I'm on, and uh, we we built a big platform out of melamine because. Nothing sticks to melamine. You get you could dump glue on melamine and then just get a scraper and pop it right off when you're mm-hmm. done. It won't stick. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. That's what I use for gluing up rings. When I'm gluing up rings, I put my, a piece of melamine on my bench. Yeah, yeah. and then you know, just go off that. Well, that was but easy. Thi- yeah, thicknessing through the planer. Mm-hmm. I used to do that with with segmented rings. But what I would do is because I had a few that blew up into pieces, you know, just because it's only an end grain joint. So what I would do is I would flatten two surfaces of uh, or one side of two rings, glue those two together, and then send it through the planer. Because now you have face grain to face grain. And I would send it through my little DeWalt uh, lunchbox planer. And they would come out super, super nice. The, the single ones kind of always scared me because I had a few of those just blow up inside of the the planer you know you get a weird grain in there or something like that or not a good glue joint and it can it can really do some damage to those to those little planers mm-hmm. yeah. that's it that's, that's it that's all the questions 
That's it. That's it, dude. Well, I do have some reviews here if you want me to read them. Go. I'll read the last of them. There's, uh, I think there's like three or four here. So let me see. This one is back from December. This one's about uh, the drill, drill press key from December 19th from Tom. Thanks for the podcast, especially when your conversations drift back into woodworking. <laughs> <laughs> you, recently, you recently talked about keeping track of the drill uh, chuck key. The solution I learned many years ago was to attach the key to a retractable chain held onto the drill press with a magnet. After using the key, I just let it go, and then it flies back to where it needs to be. Thanks again for all the woodworking hints you provide. Uh, it's always interesting to hear what you guys are working on. See, the problem with that is I only have I have a weird chuck. Uh, whatever chuck size it fits my Morris taper to chuck that goes in my lathe and then it also fits my uh, drill press so I'm always moving Going it back, back and, and forth, forth but I have two places that I put it and those are the only two places that I ever put it so I haven't been able to find one I'm sure I can but I've just been haven't been able to and then this one is another one uh says i dance every time the podcast comes on especially when i'm listening at the lathe i think that's great from footy on fire grant's great legacy name. yeah you want to get <laughs> dusty you want to get dusty <laughs> and then this one uh going to be missed from lamb woodworks i can't remember the last time i laughed uh and cringed after today's shop injury descriptions so much listening so oh, cringe so much listening a podcast this one's from Aaron sorry if I butchered that uh, and then the last one uh, is from B-A-R-R-C-L-T hello oh it's from Jason Barr uh, I can't thank you three enough and your families enough for everything I have been wanting to step away from a stressful career and turn my love of carpentry and woodworking into a money career endeavor listening to the podcast inspires me to support you guys through patreon and start my own business best career decision i have made to date y'all will be missed and thank you for the content laughs advice and woodworking boats children uh boots fishing books movies shows pens workshop design sketch up adult beverages tools screen doors bowls turning spoons food and the place, place. Stay dusty. That's so, super nice. You. Yeah, that's super nice. Thank that's you. That's nice to hear. That's really cool. Good for you. And dude, good luck with your, uh, you know, your podcast or not your podcast with your new, uh, you know, business endeavor. Absolutely. Full time because that's that's awesome. It's awesome that you get to step into that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Hopefully he's over the hump. Good for him. I like hearing yeah. it. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a buddy down in uh, El Paso. He is just getting more and more busy. And I was like, yeah, dude, once you start getting more and more busy, it kind of does start to feed itself. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of what you do is just who you know. And the more people you know, uh, for me, that's like the more jobs I get, you know. So yeah. just keep on keeping at it. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but what uh, what you guys been watching? Hmm. Well, I uh, I I uh, watched two movies this weekend with uh, my lovely girlfriend. And speaking of, just gonna throw it out there. 
based on uh, that that one review. Big shout out to our families, or my girlfriend at least. I know you guys have the same situation. Every Sunday or Monday night, dude, it's it's like nine thirty at night sometimes, and we haven't eaten dinner, and I'm like, nope, gotta go do the podcast, and she patiently nicely we'll go okay i'll have dinner ready when you're done or whatever you know that's not easy that's kind of annoying honestly so a yeah. big, yeah. big shout out to Haley and then to sean's 12 family members that he has living <laughs> under one roof <laughs> <laughs> they have sacrificed a lot i'll say that uh, yes me, yeah. yes thank you to all of your significant others and your children mm-hmm. But, uh, well, uh, I had never seen the movie The Great Escape, and I've been going through this thing, watching old movies. I don't know. I just So I watched The Great Escape with uh, Steve McQueen. Good movie. World War II. And then we watched Paige had never seen uh, Idiocracy. Dude, so we, Idiocracy. So we rented funny. that last night. So good. Uh, what's that guy's name? What's that main character? Luke Wilson. Uh, Dax? Yeah. Oh, and Dax No, Shepherd, Dax Shepard yeah. is one of them, too. Dax Shepard, yeah. Okay. The same goes don't have in your tattoo? mouth, and this ain't goes in your butt. Oh, sorry. Oh, wait. This ain't wait. goes in your oh, mouth. Hold on. <laughs> Welcome to Costco. I, I love, love you. Gatorade on the plants. Yeah. <laughs> it's got what plants crave. Electrolytes. Uh, dude, that's funny. I didn't. I I didn't watch too much. It's been so nice here at nighttime. So we just been hanging out outside with a glass of wine or cocktail or whiskey or something like that. But I've finished the Mandalorian. You see what I mean when um, I say then, it takes place sometime after? Yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. yeah, yeah. Such a twist there, man. It's it's uh, mm-hmm. it was good. I liked it. I liked the, you the get vibe chills. of it. You, you know, watch that and you're like, yeah, Ooh. Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, Bill Burr's in it too, which is fun. He's yeah. in like two episodes, which is awesome. So I don't know if they're gonna do more, like if there's like a season two of this, but it kind of set it up for it, right, Sean? For there to be one, or no? there's, is it just there's, over? Hey, there's some interesting things going on with it. Uh, well, I think they're going to have more. Wise. I don't even watch a show, but yeah, I know Gina Carano ain't coming back, which makes me think they're going to have new episodes, right? Yeah, you know Gina Carano. She used to be a cage fighter in Strike Force. She mm-hmm. got whooped up by Cyborg. Yeah, from what anyway. from what I understand. Um, uh, John Favreau wrote that character for her, so to not have her in it, you know, it's mm. we have to do some weird. Don't twists. care anyway. Yeah. yeah, and that, and then weeds, weeds, watching weeds. It's such an easy watch. I liked it better when she just sold weed, but uh, it's still it's still fun to to watch. Is she like got the Mexico connection right now or what? Yeah, she got the Mexico connection and she's not even really selling anything. She's kind of just like trying to exist, which is fun to watch. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Sean, uh, Sean, Sean, Sean. I don't know, man. I've just been listening to a lot of uh, YouTube channels. Meet Kevin. Um, kind of annoying at times. Uh, there was a channel I was listening to in the morning, but I kind of stepped away from it because it was a little bit too far out of my uh, political spectrum. It was a channel. It's a channel called Morning Invest. Um, it was basically just a guy giving his progressive um, opinions on the, the status of politics and stuff. And I, you know, I, I like listening to other people's views, um, but it, yeah, it's a little, it's a little out there for me. 
so I don't listen to that channel much anymore. But if you're into it, you know, and you want to see different areas, uh, different sides, arguments and everything, then uh, check out uh, Clayton Morris at Morning Invest. He has a he does a live show, I think twice a day, once at 6, oh, well, 6 my time, so I think 9 a.m. Um, Eastern time. Yeah, six, six and nine. Yeah, six and nine, and then uh, one and four, and that that six and one is uh, Pacific time. Um, but yeah, then meet Kevin. I mean, it's been a crazy ride with the stock market this last week. So just been listening to his insights. There's a couple of other guys that I've been listening to. I don't remember their name, their channel names, um, right at this time. But, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of stock related channels I've been listening to this week. Radio. Yeah. Cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Stocks. Let's talk about that, huh? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Nope. All right. Interesting things going on All with right. Bitcoin, you know. If anybody's yeah. been following it. Don't even say Elon Musk's mm-hmm. name, please. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm All right. tired of it. Let's okay. wrap this up. We got patrons waiting for us. All right. Well, I'll just say thank you to everybody. Thank you to all the friends that I've made through this show. Y'all know who you are. They're old, uh, you know, everybody. I'm not going to just start naming people that I've made friends with through the show, but you know who you are. You might have sent me some beef jerky or had me over to your house or sent me fishing lures or sent me a a, a weird letters. letters. (laughs) Still never got to the bottom of that one. Um, yeah, take it, send me up to Cape Cod or bass fishing lures. I don't know if you guys have probably the same thing, but thank you to everybody and 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 over. We're still going to be in touch. So, yeah, yeah. All right, burger. Yeah, we still have t- we still have t shirts too. So, yeah. if you want t shirt, I sorry I ruined it for you, Grant. You did, that was dude. I was going to sign your, off. Yeah, that was your that was your outro. <laughs> Just ruined it. Okay, we still got t shirts left if you want them. Uh, and then the show is going to probably stay up for like a year, um, maybe a little bit longer. And we're going to decide, Sean and I are trying to figure out what to do with the episodes that we do have. So um, uh, I don't want to say anything. You know, we we talked really about, decided yet, we so. talked about, yeah, we talked about putting it on a different platform so it'll stay there. Yeah. So that like a free platform because yeah. right now we got to pay and right. we don't want to be like, oh, five years from now, we're still paying to host the show. So we might be putting them up on YouTube just as like an audio, an audio thing. So we shall see. Right. But yes, I just want to say thank you for everybody because this has been a long journey for me. Um, I mean, for me and Sean, you know, since episode one. So if you've been here for episode one or you just hopped on, I mean, truly thank you, everybody. Um, and like I said to Sean and Grant, thank you guys too. So uh, mm-hmm. it's been a definitely a fun ride, but. I'm not going anywhere. You know, you can still find me on Instagram. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. I want to thank you guys. Yep. I've learned a whole lot uh, talking to you guys in the last two and a half and five years. I appreciate it. All the knowledge you guys share. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, that well thank so you, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys. See ya. <laughs> Grant just left, didn't even say goodbye. (laughs) Dusty.